0: Mama, mommy. It's the Momcast from Sunny 95 with Mindy Dreyer, Michaela Hunt, and Stacy McKay. Mom, I need you. Welcome to Momcast, the podcast for moms by moms. I'm Michaela Hunt alongside Mindy Dreyer and Stacey McKay, and we are ready for another great show this week. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hello. Well, we have um, an interesting topic that we'll
1: talk about a little bit later in the show today. When your child blurts out a four-letter word, (laughs) certainly that had to be one of your children, right? (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not mine. Mine are angels. Oh, yeah. Angel Uh, Kylan, Angel Cameron. Well, What do you do? So we're going to really have
0: that discussion this week with all of you. Plus, a mom who at 50 has created a new life. And has a new talent that she's really capitalizing on. We talk with her, and she shares her talent with you. Uh, coming up in the show, but first, so cool. yeah, no, she's she's amazing, and, and mm-hmm. wait till you hear her, yeah. But first, we're gonna have um, a conversation, a name that you know if you're in the Central Ohio community. Really, an encouraging story of what we can do when life deals us a really, really difficult. Situation.
2: Yeah, they say in life the hardest thing to go through is when you lose a child. Yeah. Well, there was a 14-year-old boy from Canal Winchester, a suburb of Columbus, Ohio, where, we are, where we're recording from, and his name was Brock B. Rock Johnson, just an incredible, incredible boy with a heart of gold. All he wanted to do was help others, and he did. In fact, we're going to talk to his mom because moms and dads lose children, but how they have handled this is absolutely unbelievable to stay so positive and continue to let his legacy live on and do so much for others. And joining us now on the phone is B-Rock's mom, Christy Johnson. Thanks for joining us today. You're welcome. Christy, for those people who are listening right now and who never had the privilege of meeting B-Rock, how would you best describe your son?
3: Wow. So Brock was a very happy, very positive, yet fiercely competitive little boy. That's what I liked about him—the competitiveness, <laughs> that
2: spirit, yeah. that drive. Yes. But seriously, Christy, tell—I don't think people really understand when you say competitive.
3: He was what four two? Yeah, well, I think he's four or three. Technically, you'd want me to correct you, but yeah, he's small, you got to get he, the stat right in the book. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. He was kind of amazing at everything he tried, regardless of his size, and really liked to win. But was also a good like um, teammate and. Someone had mentioned that how even if you played against him, you found yourself rooting for him just because he gave 110% all the time.
1: Let everybody know that doesn't know, because we have a lot of moms listening outside of Ohio. What happened?
3: So Brock was born with um, a rare autoimmune disease, and we knew about at five days old he had this problem. And so we kind of just went through life with it. We were told, you know, they weren't sure how long he'd live. There's nobody like him. And we had just decided that no matter how long he lived, we were going to make the best of it. And that's kind of what we did. Um, we taught Brock that there's a lot of things that, um, you know, you can't change and you, you can't do anything about, so you just have to make the best of it. And we taught him to just, you know, always keep a smile on his face and keep trying and um, that God would take care of him. But unfortunately, he started getting infections and ended up um, getting a fungal infection that settled into his lungs, and um, that's that's what took him away from us. Mm-hmm.
0: One of the things that I love, you know, and we'll definitely list the website on our website and on our Facebook page, the Brock Strong Foundation, one of the quotes you have up there is um, from him, every day is a gift, so make the best of it. And that sounds exactly like what he was.
3: Absolutely. uh, Yeah, always did. I mean, one of my, uh, we were just sitting around talking about some of our favorite memories, and one of mine is um, he had had pink eye in both his eyes, and he had a blood infection, and we had spent like all day in the hospital getting a blood transfusion getting his eyes fixed or whatever. And I'd taken him to Wendy's on the way home late that night. And um, he was eating frosty. And I looked at him and he said, you know what? He's probably eight or nine. This has been a really good day so far. <laughs> everything
2: he went through, though. I looked
3: though. at him. I said, yes, it has. <laughs> everything he went through, he handled so well, so
2: positive and always smiled. And please tell everybody how you guys got to know Robert Downey Jr., you guys got to go to his home and the premiere and everything of Iron Man.
3: Yeah, it was pretty amazing. So Brock had a port in his chest um, since he was in kindergarten, and he always called it his Iron Man button, just mm-hmm. since he was five, you know, five years old. That's what he called it. And it worked out that um, just someone we knew worked with his brother-in-law, Robert Downey Jr.'s brother-in-law. So when we were going in for a transplant, they sent something to the brother-in-law saying, this kid's a big Iron Man fan. He's about to go in for a transplant. Do you think you'd get him an autograph? And so Robert Downey Jr. like read all of it himself, and he sent his brother to Ohio with a, um, like a tin cartoon that he had signed, and he had written on the um, back of it, Brock, call me. And oh, it's wow. Robert Downey Jr. That, cool? so, that is awesome. His, yeah, it was amazing. And so his brother-in-law delivered it and said, this is his real phone number, so don't put it on Facebook or anything. <laughs> and so we're like, okay. So Brock called him, and um, they started talking like probably every other day. And one day Robert said, can you FaceTime? And Brock oh, wow. said, yes. And so he would FaceTime us like almost every day because he wasn't really filming anything at this time. So he wasn't super busy, but we'd be eating at like B-dubs and he'd get a FaceTime request from Brock or from Robert. <laughs> and I'd be like, um, answer it.
4: <laughs> answer it now, now.
3: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> He wanted to meet Brock. Our plan was to um, fly to Atlanta when they were filming the Iron Man, um, the new movie that's out with Captain America. And Brock just wasn't doing real well. And and I think he kind of felt it because he started pushing a little harder for us to come out there. And I said, I don't know if they're going to let us, you know, go to L.A. in the midst of all this. And he said, how about the premiere? And so he would asked us probably six weeks in advance. And so I'm like, okay, I think we can do this. And um, Brock ended up getting a little bit sicker, a little bit sicker. He's in the hospital almost all the time. And it, we had had these plans made, and the doctors knew about it. And half of them were rooting for us not to go, and the other half was doing everything they could to figure out a way for us to go. Um, it worked out that. A doctor in L.A. Children's Hospital was one of the very first doctors Brock ever saw in Columbus, which was kind of cool. See, it was meant um, to be. Mm -hmm. They had all this stuff planned where he could go to that hospital and get blood one day. We knew he was going to need that, and we were close by. And the day before we were leaving, we found out that he had um, some problems with his liver that were pretty serious. And I remember looking at one of the doctors and saying, I don't know what to do. And she said, you take him. You take him and you go. And so we went. I just got chills when you said that, that that this
0: doctor from Columbus was out there in LA and this I mean just talk about purpose in life and what's mm-hmm. supposed to happen. That's that's amazing that it happened that way.
3: Very amazing. And when we left there, like Brock couldn't even go up the steps to our house. He was just weak and he was on oxygen and um by the time and going to the airport he had to, you know, go in in a wheelchair. But by the time we came home, he walked through the airport. I mean, it did so much for him. Well, he walked on the red
2: carpet. (laughs) Remember, Christy, he walked on the red carpet for the premiere.
3: Absolutely. So, yeah, we, um, we get there, and we had a few rough bumps. His oxygen stopped working, and we ended up spending the night in the hospital in L.A. Children's Hospital, and... Uh, we had tickets to go to an Angels game and we got there and our tickets were not real. They were fake from, we got them on the stuff hub and they were fake. Oh, so we, that's but terrifying. then like some guy <laughs> that worked there was wow. awesome and took us in and let us sit in like folding chairs and like everything went wrong. And then Robert invited us to his house for lunch. And from there on out, <laughs> it was amazing. Like he wow. took Brock around his house on this, you know, golf cart thing and just spent time with us and his wife and his kids were there. And you would have thought it was just anyone. And then the next night we went to the LA premiere and you go through this big line to get, you know, your tickets and then you get up there. And if you're just a common person, you kind of go off to the side, but you're a star. You go on the red carpet. And so, <laughs> wow. I said, "All right." And Brock go, was a star.
2: Was... Brock was a star, but you know what? It yeah, wasn't just like, Robert oh, Downey no, he's Jr. He's
3: walking down the red carpet. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
2: see, you know, though it wasn't just Robert Downey Jr. Anyone who met B-Rock just became a better person because of your son. It has now been a year, May 20th. It was the year. How have you handled this last year, Christy?
3: Um, so we created a foundation. As soon as Brock had passed away, um, his, his memorial service had, like, over 4,000 people there. And my husband and I just kind of looked at each other and said, we, we've got to keep this going somehow, some way, make something good out of this. He, you know, he did all this good in 14 years. Now it's our job to keep it going. So we created a foundation that's basically just a – we support the hospital, the community, the, the schools, travel, baseball. But it, the best part of it is just the big random acts of kindness part of it, because that's who Brock was. He was very giving. He always wanted to make someone feel better. If there was one thing, of something left, he would absolutely want someone else to take it. So we kind of dove into that pretty quickly, and it's kept us busy and kept us sane. <laughs> and um, we've had so much support through that. So through all that, that's kind of kept us going. It's still hard. There's still days mm-hmm. where it's, it's hard to get out of bed. And um, yeah. yesterday it was his baseball team's first baseball game, and my husband is still coaching. And I, I had a pretty hard time getting out of the car but but you have support, and we're doing good things in his name. And um, we just had a B-Rock Sunday at our church, and we had, like, um, 750 people here. It was amazing.
0: Well, Christy, so I wanted like to ask, going. you know, for those of us who are learning about his story right now, and, and we have people who are listening to this podcast all over the country mm-hmm. and, a, and a few, you know, internationally. You're doing such a great thing with B-Rock's legacy. Um, so what can we do to kind of carry on this this encouragement you know and what you're talking about how can how can we become involved in what you're doing and just spread this love and this joy that b-rock had
3: well the biggest thing no matter where you are is just to do nice things we kind of coined a new phrase last year called you've been b-rocked and <laughs> that's hard way of saying like you've had something nice done for you and we even had little cards made that everyone like people come to my house and get them all the time that if you pay for someone's meal you leave a little card saying you've been b-rocked and um kind of has the foundation on the back of it. So just in general, just doing nice things would make the world a lot more Brock-like if we just thought of others first. But as far as our foundation, um, you know, it's pretty local right now. We're doing, you know, lots of things with our schools and, and families at children's hospital and um, helping pay for funerals and medical expenses and supporting the schools and things they're doing that maybe they don't have the money to do. But if you want to get involved in the foundation, There's a a website, which is Mm BrockStrongFoundation.com, and you can click on Get Involved, and that links you to an email list that just tells you, hey, here's what we're doing with the money we're getting in, and here's how you can help, and here's something we need. You can donate online. You can buy Brock Strong clothes, um, and that just helps us to give back here locally.
1: Well, thank you for sharing, because I would say there are people who, you know, their children are going through uh, difficulties, going through uh, fighting a disease, whatever the case may be, I think it's good to hear from a parent who says, you know, the worst possible scenario happened and yet we find we can get through it. We find ways to keep the memory of our child with us. We find ways to keep what they wanted going. And I think that's important for a lot of parents to hear.
3: Yeah, absolutely. It stinks. And honestly, I never thought that that I would be here. You know, I never Mm -hmm. thought we were going to lose him. I always kind of felt like You know, God had bigger plans for him here on Earth, which end up not happening. But you know, after he's gone, and people are like, "How do you keep going?" You just have to. It does him. It doesn't do Brock any good if I stay in bed and feel sorry for myself and what was me on everything. That doesn't do any good, and I don't think Brock would want that for me. So you just got to keep putting one foot in the other, one foot in front of the other, and. When you have sad days, you just have a sad day, and then you get up the next day and you keep going.
2: Christy, I know you miss him so much, but you know yep. and I know that he's looking down on you, and he is so thankful that you are continuing to carry on his legacy and everything that he stood for, the competitiveness, the passion, just, oh, I am honored that I have got to know all of you guys.
3: Thank you. I, I often think that, so for Brock, I would always, whenever we got bad news or setbacks, and I mean, he was a kid and he was human, so he'd get upset. But I would always say to him, like, these are the cards we've been dealt. We have to do the best we can with them. And so I constantly hear him telling me that when I feel down or I'm just mad or I'm like, this isn't fair. I hear him saying to me, like, look, these are the cards you've been dealt. What are you going to do with them?
0: And I feel just talking with you today that the big plans you are thinking about with him are completely working themselves out. Mm -hmm. Big plans, big things happening, changing people's perspectives Mm -hmm. about how they look at their days day in and day out, which is hugely important.
2: Christy, thank you so, so much for joining us. And I know all the moms listening really appreciated hearing your inspirational story. And thanks for continuing to make a difference in so many people's lives.
3: Thank you. Thanks for thanks for talking to me and thanks for loving my boy. Always. I know
1: this summer for our family, my daughter, it's her opportunity to go and spend time with her grandparents. And uh, we do that quite a bit. And um, because they live about an hour away. It's not too far away. Um, but Liv likes to go and spend a night with Gammy's and Pawpaw. Sure. here and there. And she loves it. So um, recently she was there and she has a cousin who's five weeks younger. So they are best buds. So my mom and dad will do a sleepover with the two little ones. And my father is a retired minister. I didn't know if you guys knew that. Did not. But I grew up, my dad was a pastor when I was growing up and that had its good points and bad points (laughs) like anything but mostly good i you know i appreciate that upbringing and um you know so faith is a big part of our family and all of that and um, the last time my daughter was there i went to pick her up and heard all about what a wonderful time they had and i love that she goes there because they really go old school with the grandparents they have epic games of monopoly Oh, that's great. Yeah, and it's the old game. My parents have an old Monopoly set, and they play the game. And, I mean, it gets epic. My dad will—I mean, my dad is very competitive. He passed that along to me. (laughs) Um, He will videotape on his iPad whoever loses and they have to like give a statement or they something. They have to give a statement. I am a loser. That is hilarious. My grandfather <laughs> is the king of the world and Monopoly. I mean, he makes them and he did that when I was a kid. He made us do that stuff. So That's a tradition. Yeah, my we were talking about something and the girls were in the other room and my dad said I have to tell you something. And I said, "Okay." Uh-oh. And he said, "Maria and Olivia were playing their own game of Monopoly in the other room just like they are right now. They're playing very nicely together." And Maria beat Olivia, my daughter, three times in a row. Oh, ouch. Yeah. So Mama the, taught her right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so the third time, my daughter shouted out an expletive when she lost. She said, oh, blank. Did she know Grandpa now it, was nearby? Uh, no. It wasn't the F-bomb. So let's say okay. it wasn't that. <laughs> okay. But it was not, you know, good. Not something that would fly in the retired pastor's home when I was a kid. I mean, even, no. But he thought it was hilarious because Maria, her cousin, goes to a Christian school <laughs> in Mansfield. <laughs> so she came running out, Gammies, Papa, you will not believe what Olivia just said. Oh, no. And she then said it like three times. And Olivia is like, well, you know, she's trying to explain why she Because you have to repeat, repeat it, it when you're the other kid right. to tell the story exactly. multiple times. Yeah, so she gives said, you the green light. She said to my dad, well, I meant to say, oh, snap. So she said the S word. Yeah. But, kind of you know, which is not a huge deal. But my dad took it very well. He thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, my niece went home to my sister and told the whole, went around the whole family that my kids, the potty mouth of the group <laughs> oh. <laughs> and where she got it and all of those things. So what do so, you do? Yeah. You know, I just explained it away because it's school. There is a little girl at school because everybody grows up differently. Mm -hmm. One of her little friends at school and they're nine um, said that she's allowed to say that word. She's allowed to say a lot of different what we would consider to be curse words, Mm -hmm. um, except for one. She's not allowed to use the F word, as my daughter said. But all of those other words are okay, Really? And she uses them quite often. Huh. And, you know, nine years old, nine years old.
2: I've never come across that with my kids, with being that young, having a friend that's allowed to Mm -hmm. use that language.
1: Well, and she may have heard it from mom or dad. I mean, I don't think I do. I'm really (laughs) careful. My husband perhaps isn't as careful. But have you dealt with that at your house? So not at my house, but when Logan was three and
0: he's now almost six, I got a phone call from daycare. The Logan... been yelling something in the hallway. And when I heard it, you know, your stomach just is like, oh, no, you know, expletive idiots. Oh, no. And we don't really (laughs) say that at home. So I'm thinking to myself, oh, my oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Where did he get this? Right. So, of course, they said, we just wanted to call you, let you know.
3: Just talk to him. (laughs) I know, right? Yeah.
0: So I pick him up. And again, he is three. He is three years old. And I remember sitting in the stairwell as we were walking down from the top floor. And I sat him down. We just kind of perched there. No one else was there at the time of day. And I said, so I heard you said something today. And he said, yes. (laughs) Very confidently. Uh And I was like, oh, no. And I said, and I don't know if I handled this right or not. I said, "Do, do you know what you said? And he repeated, yes, they're blank idiots. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, it's hard. Like, you don't want to laugh. Right, right. But you're, like, right there. So, like, I'm turning my head so he doesn't see me just for a second. And I turn back to him and I say, you know, we don't say that word right. And he goes, no. I said, we actually don't say either of those words. Where did you hear that? And he said, oh, so-and-so's dad calls his little brother that all the time. And I was like, oh, wow
3: very oh, no. loosely
0: used around this home and oh. I, I you know again you don't know if that is true in context given sure. you're talking about three-year-olds mm-hmm. discussing things the other three-year-old might have just picked it up right but that's the problem when they are in earshot and they can talk they can hear everything and we know that mm-hmm. but sometimes I think you tend to forget so what your children pick up is is uh, is important it's yeah, it's important, right? And if you not it. if
1: if cursing is not a, like a big deal at your house, and you do that, you know, in front of your kids, then it could be something else. You know, it could be a phrase that they use, and you're wondering where on earth did they get it?
2: Well, kids obviously pick up a lot at home. Mine are obviously teenagers. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they've heard a lot of curse words. There's mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind. Because when I get mad, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say. You're going to hear things at home, sure. but you know what? You hear a lot of things at school, too, right. and on sports teams. And a, a couple years ago, my son was on a team, and there were a couple new boys that joined the team, and that's how they thought they were going to rally this team. The players were going to curse and everything, and I'm like, I, I, Kylan, that's not right. You don't have to do that at this age. Rally each other in another way. But, you know, the older they get, they're obviously going to hear things that we don't want them to hear. And it's not just cuss words. It's real life experiences mm-hmm. that kids are starting to go through in life. And it's a scary world sometimes. It really is.
0: Because I don't think I knew what the F-bomb was. I, I know I didn't when I was Logan's age now, six. I don't know when I would have learned that word. Right. But it was, it was away from that age. It wasn't I three. That. It was not <laughs> no. three. Mm-mm. It was not three. And thankfully, he hasn't repeated it again. Not yeah. God would.
1: I mean, that... Well, is- and I think you have to kind of weigh it like you did. You said that. You had a conversation. You didn't freak out. Ah! Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say that. You know, and I didn't either. We had a conversation on the way home, and I did the same thing. Did you say something? You know, what did you say? And she told on herself. And she was like, I used this word, and I meant to say, oh, snap, but I said this. But, you know, we say it at school. And I'm like, you say it at school? Well, I don't because you told me it's not respectful. But everybody's using the word. So it's like you weigh that, okay, I know it sounds cool and all of those things, but I think if you freak out, and that's just me personally, I think if you freak out and go, oh, I can't believe you said that, you're in trouble. You draw more attention to right. it. You make it a bigger deal. And that's with anything, right? Right, with anything.
2: And there are certain words that may be a cuss word to one family right. and not for the other. For example, you know, some people will say, man, that sucks. Well, wait, we don't say that in our house. You know, so
0: where's mm-hmm. that fine Where line, you know, because
2: everybody's different.
0: My husband has a real problem with shut up and I do, too. So the kids are not supposed to say shut up to each other. That is considered a curse word, I guess you would say right now in our house currently mm-hmm. with a five and a three year old. Shut up. Shut really? up. Shut up. No. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's <laughs> school, <Shut> I, <laughs> I, 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 I see what you right did there. there it. it did. It did. <laughs> we were in the thick of the convert. Yeah, because yeah. that is such a
1: phrase now. Shut up. Right. A lot of people say that at school. The S word is stupid. They are not allowed to say that That is a school rule That you don't call somebody stupid And I get that I think I I like that they do that I do too But that's funny Because when my dad first said She said the S word I said oh well she said stupid That's no big deal And he's like That wasn't (laughs) stupid That's It was something else. That was something else.
2: Well we're all gonna experience it. It happens. It does. It happens in all their little lives and it's gonna continue to happen. And as a mom and as a dad and as a grandparent, Mm -hmm. I guess you just have to figure out what you're gonna do and that happens? So what have you done at your house? Because we know this problem
0: has not just come up for us. How do you handle it when your child uses that four-letter word or something in that regard? So let us know. We're having the conversation on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. We've posted a question. Just search for MomCast on Facebook.
4: How want to taste her lips. Yeah, because they taste fly.
2: is 50-year-old Tamala Knight of Sunbury, Ohio. She recently competed in a competition down in Tennessee and won Female New Country Vocalist of the Year and also Most Promising Female Entertainer of the Year. But the neatest thing about it is she never really did this before. But at 50 years old, she decided to go out on a limb, try something new and different, something she's always wanted to do for herself because she loved to
1: sing. So she's reinvented herself, right. really. And Tamla, we think that's awesome. Tell us how you do that, because I think there are a lot of moms out there that feel, oh, it's, it's got to be all about the kids. I mm-hmm. could never do something I want to do. How do you get through that
4: and through the guilt? Yeah, you should definitely not feel that way. Um, um, I was a young mom that, at, you know, became pregnant at 19 and by 20 had my first my first baby. And then um, and then throughout the next, you know, 20-some years, I had kids. So to keep it alive a little bit, I kept involved in church, I somewhere where I could use my singing. I just felt like if I didn't use it, I was going to lose it. Mm-hmm. And that's a true statement. Let me tell you what, you will find out if it's playing an instrument, if it's singing, if it's playing a, if you like to play tennis or golf or any of that kind of stuff if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. You get stale. It's almost like, yeah, you can get back on and ride it again, but it's going to take you a little time to get comfortable with it again, you know? So I would tell all the moms out there, young ones, you're right. I mean, you're making a difference by far the most way raising your children, especially in today's world. Don't, you know, don't put yourself down because you think that's not a very big job. It's a humongous job. And it's, it's the best job in the whole wide world, and um, but also don't lose who you are, too. It's so important. You want to be a better mom, then stay intact with who you are. I mean, it'll make a happier you. It'll make a happier mom, and and, and in return, that's going to that's going to bounce off onto your kids, and that's a good thing. It's such an important
2: message to take a chance at any age, and for you to be doing this at 50, and I know you want people to know that you're never too old to give it a shot.
4: No, you're never too old. No, no. Uh Uh-uh. Actually, I just read that Shania Twain, she just, and I know she made it big and all that like a while back, but guess what? She went through some hard times. She stepped out of it for a while. She just turned 50, and she's getting ready to kick off another another tour this this year and she's
1: 50. Maybe you can open I for love her that idea. or she can open for you no. whichever, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, whichever you prefer and you've decided to audition for The Voice 2017 correct?
4: I have Woo-hoo. I've already got yeah. my artist number and um I'm gonna try it you know I just I've watched the show so many times and I've always wondered if I could if I if my voice was some some kind of voice that would cause you know somebody to turn around, turn and, around, around. and I'd like to yeah. see it what Blake would think of me, but, you know... Um, I'd like yeah. to know what Blake would think of me, too.
1: <laughs>
2: We're all in line
4: to think... Yeah. Blake
2: is... Oh, hello. Yeah, we all like Blake.
4: Yeah, Tamela. Know, right? That's so funny. Thank uh, you so
2: much, and we are going to absolutely follow your career path. It's going to be fun to watch.
4: Thank you.
2: So we love that Tamela decided to do this at the age that she is. So hmm. we can't help but wonder, what is it, moms? Is there something that you've always wanted to do? What would you do more than anything? Let us know on Facebook, MomCast. We're out there, and we're also on Twitter.
0: Because we do have dreams. We do have things that we think about, you know, on a regular basis. But it's hard to do it, so we definitely want to know what you think. I want to be a brain
2: surgeon. I thought you already were. (laughs) I think if I could, I'd sing, but I can't sing a note. Well, we now now know that Mindy has the
0: handwriting to be a doctor, so maybe she should go that that. direction. Yes,
2: I am an MD.
1: (laughs) You are an that you are. (laughs) Got the handwriting to prove it. Well, next week, our next MomCast, we'll already look ahead for you. We've got Ballet Met here in Columbus. And I think in your community, you'll want to hear about this. Some different types of summer camps for your kids. Maybe a little bit of culture. Maybe a little bit of Ninja Warrior. And you wouldn't expect to hear that necessarily (laughs) with ballet. Yes. And we'll also take a look at whether or not you are... (sighs) installing your car seats properly and just in time for Memorial Day weekend we're going to be talking about sunscreen we really
0: appreciate getting to know you and you listening to some of these episodes please go to iTunes leave us a review let us know what you think of the show and until then we'll see you next week